Morning, everybody. And hello to those who are um, seeing us from online, um, from their homes. Um, three weeks ago, we started this series on the Shema, uh, where is that summoning of God's people to hear what God is to say to them. And um, this week, I've been preparing to preach on what does it mean to love God with all your soul. And um, I, throughout the whole week, I didn't feel like I was adequately prepared to say something to the church. And I've been really pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, because, Lord, I've got the plan. I know what I'm going to say. Um, until this morning, really. And I was praying this morning, and I thought, actually, I don't want to do a sermon for the sake of the sermon. Lord, what have you got this morning for the church? And I was praying, I was praying, and um, God led me to the story of the Good Samaritan, the, the woman on the well. Now, the way we test these things is that I'm going to share some things, and perhaps some of you who think that this is for you, because I, I would witness this is for me as well, but I don't want to interfere with that. Um, I wanted for you as well to come back and say, no, this is what God is saying to me as well. Because for me to say that God has nudged for something, then I think it's something for the church as well. So, and I don't want to miss this opportunity. The way we're going to do it is we are going to read the scriptures. It's 30 verses. And then we're going to pause and pray. And I'm going to share four thoughts. And in sharing those four thoughts, we're going to pause at each of the thoughts and see if there is something there for us. Is that all right? And then what we're going to do then in response to that, we're going to take part in the Lord's Supper um, for us. So I'm reading from John chapter 4 from the New Living Translation. It's 30 verses. Um, well, it's 26, but um, just to give you the, the context. I know it is a familiar story, but um, let's pay attention to God's word as it's read for us. The context is Jesus has just been challenging by, um, Nicodemus. What does it mean to be born again? John chapter 3. And then it's that big famous verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And then we've got Jesus moving on to go to uh, Galilee, from Judea to Galilee. But normally you'd go two routes, the popular route and the unpopular route. And for some reason, which we know in chapter 4, Jesus chooses the unpopular route. So we begin by verse 4. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the parcel of the ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about the noontime. 
Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at this time because his disciples had gone into village to buy some food. The woman was surprised. The Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift of God has for you, sorry, the new, if only you knew the gift God has for you and who I am, you'd ask me and I'll give you the living water. But sir, you don't even have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this is a very deep well. Where would you get this living water from? And besides, are you greater than our ancestors, Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than this, and than he and his sons and his cattle enjoyed? Jesus replied, people soon become thirsty again after drinking this water, but the water I give them takes away thirst along to, altogether. It becomes a perpetual spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me some of that water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. I, I won't even have to come here to haul water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you are right. You don't have a husband, for you have five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? And Jesus said, believe me, the time is still coming when it will not be no longer, sorry, it will, will no longer matter whether you worship the Father here or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know so little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming and it is already here when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for anyone who worship him this way. For God is spirit, and so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that the Messiah will come, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Then the disciples arrive and the conversation carries on and the woman goes back to the village and in verse 39 we see many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because of what the woman has said. He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay at their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many of them to hear the message and believe. Then they said to the woman, 
Now we believe because what we heard him ourselves, not because of what just you told us. He is indeed the Savior of the world. May God's name be blessed and our hearts be nurtured through the public reading of God's word. Amen. So here we come, Father God. Tune our hearts with what beats yours. Give us that living water today. Show us the Lord Jesus. And help us and guide us in that life of true worship. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, talking about going to the well and drawing water to somebody who lives in Bristol in the 21st century, it's nonsense. It doesn't make sense. We've got taps in all the floors of the house. Whenever we want to switch it on, we can switch it on. If we were going to talk to other cultures, that's a different scenario. So what is the closest thing that we can come to that we can identify with, with this woman going to do the daily routine stuff? For those of you who have dogs, can you identify with the daily routine of taking the dog for a walk because you have to? For those of you who are lucky, like I am, that I haven't got a dog, then I need to find a different illustration. But it's, it's, the, it's the mundane, it's the routine. Somebody's got to do it. Otherwise, you get stuck without water. This well was a popular well. It wasn't a well that had the springs that came from within it. It was just one of those wells that gathered the water from the, the rainy season and, uh, and it collected water. They're very popular in Albania, especially for the dry season. And this woman goes and on her daily routine, there is this, this mundane job that you do. Now, we're not going to, to stop at a lot of details because I've been nudged about particular things. But I think there is one element here that I wanted to say um, as to start, to start off this, is that actually um, I've been really challenged this week to remind you guys, to remind myself of the love of God. And Ruth did a great job with that, um, leading us to prayer about that crowning with God's compassion. And I think, um, I don't say this lightly, but um, I, I really feel today that I need to, to remind you and to remind myself of God's love. And what happens here is that God's love and compassion breaks through all the social, the racial, and the religious barriers that this group of people or these two groups of people were facing. So there is nothing that can stop God's love 
even though there is a popular route. This brings me to my favorite, most favorite Bible verse. And again, it's in the Gospel of John. John chapter 1, verse 12. For those who received him, he gave them the power to become children of God. This is the power of the compassion and love of God. It is out there. So the nudge for me today is, in what position am I to receive it? Because there is no point for us to say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, if we have not experienced his love. Because the Bible tells us we love because he first loved us. So you and me stand today on that receiving end of God's love. It's there for you. Receive it. Respond to it. Saturate yourself in it. So I'm going to pause here because I think, I think this, is, this is very crucial to where we're going coming out of this pandemic. This is very crucial where we're going as a church. This is very crucial where we're going as individuals. Because if we're not in that acknowledged receiving end of God's love, then we're a mess. So let's stop here and take a moment to be reminded of how we've met with Christ and that love that we have initially responded to. And perhaps you're following us online. I don't know who people are online. Perhaps you're here and you've never experienced that firsthand. And today is your opportunity to respond to God's love. So I'll leave some time and then we'll move on. So we sit here, we stand here, Father God, acknowledging your love for us. And some of us maybe have not even got the vocal strength to say it, Lord, but we've got that longing, desire in our hearts to say, we receive it, Lord, because we know that you love us unconditionally. And there is nothing that we can do or is nothing that can happen to us that can separate us from your love. Thank you, Jesus. In your name. Amen. The second thing that I've been nudged to say this morning or that has come from this passage is that there is a misunderstanding that is going on 
in the worldview of this woman with what Jesus is trying to impart to her. And bless her, she is doing her best to change the subject. And I find myself being like the Samaritan woman because I really am messed up with the idea of religion versus worship. And my default is to change the subject and saying, well, but the true worship, but, but, but Lord, you know, let's have a conversation here. Let's have a theological discussion here. Do you know what has happened 500, 700, 800, 1,000 years ago? And Jesus is saying, that doesn't matter. True worship happens through his spirit. So don't change the subject, but come to that place of experiencing the nature of true worship. And what does that look like? Well, it looks like leave behind everything. No frills, no add-ons, no connections. It's you and God. She is misunderstanding Jesus. She is confusing the water. She's also holding so tight to something which is no longer valid because the Messiah is there. That's why he has to reveal to her, I am the Messiah. What else do you want? I am the Messiah who is going to quench your thirst of longing to... to, 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 to to worship and to love God. What else do you want? This week, I have caught myself changing the subject with God several times. When I've read the scriptures, when I've prayed, I was in two meetings with other church leaders and God really spoke in those two meetings. And I just only took notes because what God has asked me to do was very challenging, but it was much easier to change the subject and talk about some theological stuff than deal with that changing of hearts and allow God to change. So I, I want to, to, to reach you out with that, that if, if Christ was to ask you that peculiar requests about thirst and about where you are with him in the relationship to religion versus true worship. Where would you stand? And again, I don't want this to be public. This is between you and God. I've shared how I felt this week. But there, there we are. We've got a challenge here. We can carry on doing religious stuff or we can say, God, we thirst after you. We want your spirit to fall afresh on us so we can worship you with everything.
let's not change the subject. And when it comes to this point, I wanted to use this as a time for us to look at the times when we have changed the subject and perhaps repent and say, God, we've got it wrong. And we want to experience that true worship through your spirit. So let's take a moment to do that. Lord, thank you. You are a spirit, and those who worship you must worship you in spirit and in truth. And perhaps, Lord, the time that we've got now doesn't do justice to the things that we have to bring to you, but we are truly sorry for those moments when we have changed the subject. have not looked to the heart, to the nature, the spirit that gives us that worship. Because all the worship, all the honor, all the glory is due to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. So we talked a little bit um, about the compassion and the love of God. We talked a little bit about the changing the subject. And the third thing that I wanted to share here today is that actually in, in this engaging with, with, with a woman, Jesus does two things. First, he wants to be respectful to her. So she goes, he goes and asks her to go and bring her husband so then he's being culturally respectful. But on the other hand, Jesus is also trying to disclose, to unfold the need, the spiritual need that this woman has. What I've written here is Jesus is also is to respect her, but also to, res to expose the spiritual condition and need. Thirsty for love, but found with the desires dashed on the rocks of broken relationships, filled with rejection, with pain, with shame, with embarrassment. And this kind of four things is what the devil throws to us the whole time. Be aware of rejection, of pain, of shame, of embarrassment. And yet, Jesus exposes this real need and condition and meets her there. 
if Jesus was to expose your spiritual need and condition, what would that be? And how would you let him work through this? Well, we've just been reminded that we are in safe hands. We're in safe hands of the living God who loves us and has got compassion for us and wants to give us from that living water. And because we are in this pair, safe, safe pair of hands, then surely my response is, yes, Lord, spot on. I want that living water. So what we're seeing here is that it's not only the truth about the nature of God, it's not only about the truth about the nature of worship, but seeing that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the living water. He is going to quench the spiritual needs and thirsts of people. He's going to quench your thirst. And perhaps you sitting here and in the, in the tightness and closeness of your hearts, you are eager to see, you can identify with this Samaritan woman saying, well, I'm longing for that love, but it's still being dashed around. People are rejecting me. People are hurting me. People are embarrassing me. Shame. And yet Jesus says, I am the living water. Come, drink, and you will be satisfied. So as we pause now, this is an opportunity for us to say, Lord, I am aware I want to drink from that water today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love and your compassion and your desire to see us satisfied. I want to drink from your living water this morning. Come and meet me at the point of my thirst, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And lastly, fourthly, I started off with the daily mundane routine. And this became a catalyst for the woman at the well to know the Savior. And I am aware that there is many of you who are working really hard, have been working really hard through the pandemic. There's many of you who've got lots of plates spinning. There's many of you who are dealing to do with lots of changes and stuff. And this is as a word of encouragement that on the daily routine, there is that 
expectation for us to meet and use that as a catalyst to know the Savior. Whether you're stuck at home or you're stuck in front of a computer screen or you're stuck with things or whether you, you're having to do things because this is what we need to do and this is how much we can do at this time. This is what God is saying, that the daily mundane routine could be a catalyst to know your Savior. Do you hear that? In the business or the non-business, in the boredom or the challenging times, somehow we have accepted this to be part of our lives now. And God is saying he wants to use that as a catalyst to know him and to know his heart. So I want to take this moment now that we say, Lord, whether we're stuck or we're confused or we don't know what we're going to do, we still want to know you. So would you reveal afresh yourself to us? Let's pray together. So here we are, Lord, as your people. Met and transformed by your love. Realizing that sometimes we shortchange you and we try to change the subject. And yet, you're still for us. Thank you for your unchanging love for us. Thank you for coming after us. Thank you for revealing and exposing our need for you. Lord, would you help us not to feel that with other stuff, but to long to be satisfied from the living water, from you, Lord. So would you quench our thirst today? And as we look into today and the days to come, Lord, I pray that the refreshed revelation of who Jesus is will be true. And our situation, Lord, will be that catalyst to know you, your heart, and your love and your compassion for us. We're so blessed, Lord, to have you as our Lord and our Savior. In response to our love, to, to, to your love for us, Lord, we say we love you too. In Jesus' name. Amen.